Welcome to the Viking Update show with Jim Suhan and John Krasinski. As we're recording this show, I see a tweet. The uh, Vikings are hiring former Colts general manager Ryan Grigson, adding him to their front office. Obviously, we know that Kevin McConnell is going to be the coach as soon as he's done with the Super Bowl. Uh, we are hearing rumblings that this brain trust is going to keep Kirk Cousins around, maybe even extend his contract to lower his cap hit. We're starting to get a sense where things might be headed. Let's get into all of it here on the Viking Update show. This is part of the TalkNorth.com podcast network. Check out all of our shows at TalkNorth.com. Follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod. We'd recommend subscribing at your favorite podcast app. It is free. It is easy. And thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. All right, John, where are you going to start? We are starting to get a sense of how this organization is going to operate what jumps out at you right now? Well, one thing that is interesting that the Grigson hire, uh, Jim, is um, it's uh, it makes a lot of sense, right? Because Grigson is an experienced guy who has sat in that GM chair at, before, and with Quasi Adolfo Mensa not being um, not being experienced and, and and doing this for the first time, it makes sense to have someone kind of by his side to, to bounce things off of. Um, what is interesting to me, though, is that uh, I, I was not exactly clear on how much Adolfo Mensa would add to his staff in terms of because like a lot of the the personnel folks, a lot of the scouts, a lot of the guys who have been there for a long, long time are staying. And so you just wondered, OK, how um, how much of a sort of uh, fingerprints or stamp that it, it is Quasi Adolfo Mensa going to be able to put on this staff? Well, Gregson is a big hire. Like that's that's an important one to have on board and something that shows that he's going to be able to make some changes or some additions to get people around him who he is familiar with and has a background of working with and. Um, will trust, you know, kind of as he gets into this first thing here. So I think that's an important first step. The speculation, most of it kind of off the record behind the scenes from, uh, you know, a lot of NFL reporters is now that O'Connell told the Vikings that he likes Cousins. Uh, and so the, they really, of all the possibilities out there, many of which were not great possibilities, it looks like they're either going to play it out with Kirk Cousins this year and then make a decision at the end of the year when they could possibly cut him, you know, just let him go and start over the quarterback position. It sounds like the most likely scenario, though, if the speculation is right, is extend Cousins, lower his cap hit, take a run at things this year, and then if you do end up moving on from Cousins, at least it doesn't kill you the way it would if you cut him right now. Yeah, and I I honestly, Jim, I think that this was the way that it was going you know, pretty much regardless, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, we can all, it's it's really fun to kind of, you know, try and put our GM hats on and find trades and 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 look at kind of exotic op- options for them to be able to make a, 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 a quicker change there and, and really kind of have a sea change because like, let's face it, I think that's as much as what Vikings fans want right now is just change, like, all of it, you know, Zimmer, Spielman, Cousins, that they, they are kind of the three faces of this recent run that has gone stale and certainly plateaued and hit a wall. And so um, I think fans are just really rubbing their hands together and saying, gosh, OK, you have a new GM, you have a new head coach 
And maybe, hey, that, that head coach has worked with Kirk Cousins in the past. Maybe when he says that, that, that he already has an idea, maybe that means he has a bad idea of Cousins. And this is really going to be a sign that they're going to move, move him out. But it is so complicated. It is so damaging from a fiscal standpoint that you just it, it was just always going to be very hard to pull off. Couple that with the Will family really kind of making it clear that they did not want to do a teardown and rebuild, that they don't believe they're that far away, that that all leaned toward keeping cousins. Now, how do they do that? Do they just ride out this contract? Do they extend and lower the cap hit and try and try and you know rob Peter to pay Paul sort of a thing like they do so often? Uh, that will be the interesting part of it. But I think that Vikings fans should get pretty used to the idea that number eight is going to be under center at, for at least one more season. And then they'll kind of figure things out after that. Yeah. And listen, even for me, who doesn't want to see Kirk Cousins play football anymore, <laughs> it just doesn't make much sense to try yeah. to move on from him at this point. You're locked in. You'd have to hurt yourself financially to get rid of him. And you do not have a replacement. I mean, you know, the nicest thing I can say about Kirk Cousins is he can play quarterback in the NFL. He can complete passes. Mm-hmm. And they don't have anybody else on their roster who can do that. Exactly. And and so that's why I, I would actually really like to see if they're sitting at number 12 in the draft and like a Malik Willis is there, you know, a, a guy that they that they really do like is there at quarterback, draft him and let him stay here for a year or two and develop and, and then put him in position for a couple of years down the road to really take over. Like that's a, I think that's a good viable option for them to do. And hopefully the one thing that you do hope with this new regime is that they maybe are less inclined or less scared of ruffling Kirk Cousins feathers of saying, you know, they can come in and say, Hey, look, you know, we want you around. You can. You. We think. We believe in you. We think you can do good things here. But we are going to bring a younger guy in here too, just in case, Kirk. We are going to bring someone for the long term. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry. That's just the way that it's got to be. Um, that's the best thing for this franchise. This is what we're going to do. So that could be a scenario where um, Quasi Adolfo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell like make a decision for the long term health of the of the position to do something like that. Um, But in the meantime, Cousins does raise the floor on the team. He absolutely does. He's productive. He can uh, accumulate stats in in a good way. And if you do not want to bottom out, you will not bottom out with Kirk Cousins. I do not see a scenario where you're three and 13, three and 14 with Kirk Cousins as your quarterback. You may not be, you know, um, 12 and what is it? 12 and six or 12 and five. Yeah. Uh, but, but you're not going to be three and thir- three and 14 either. So uh, that's something to some, something for them to think about. And I think that's the way that they want to go for right now. And that that's really a fascinating philosophical decision. And it, is. it really speaks to the NFL because in other sports, you actually might be better off bottoming out every once in mm-hmm. a while and rebuilding. Yes. But in the NFL, I mean, the Wilfs want to win. They want to win now. They enjoy having U.S. Bank Stadium filled. They enjoy having a fan base that feels committed enough to travel around the country. They make a lot of money. And it's, you know, it's it's tempting to bottom out because you might get Peyton Manning and go win a Super Bowl. 
But that happens once out of every hundred times. You might be the Jaguars if you bought them out. So, so I even though once again I'm not a Cousins guy, I get where they're coming from. If this is the path, yeah, for sure. And like, I you could argue. I think, and and I may have argued before, Jim. Like, they, the Vikings probably have been victims of their own modest success. Yep. Right. I mean, they, they have the one one. I think great thing that you can say about this franchise is they are very rarely at the bottom of the heap. They have been remarkably competent for a long, long time. There's a bad season here or there, but they're few and far between. And in some ways that's, you know, that is very admirable. Like it, it, you know, it means that they have done a good job of remaining competitive and roster um, assembly and, and, and all of those things, but also every once in a while you need to be in the top three or four picks and have a crack at real talent. Now, the problem I think for them when, you know, was that when they had that bottom out year, they ended up with Khalil. And at first he looked like the next Gary Zimmerman, and then he just totally fell apart. So when you are up that high, uh, you got to cash in. You got to get Joan Burrow and Jamar Chase. You know it can't be uh, Matt Khalil and then Christian Ponder. And I know they were they were they were kind of middle of the pack when they took Ponder. But but the point is that you have to connect on those swings. And the Vikings just haven't been able to take many of those swings at all because it's been eight and eight seasons. It's been ten and six. It's been eleven and fives. Or you know the 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 thirteen and three a few years back. And they're they're picking down lower in the draft and you can still hit down there, but it's a little bit more trickier to do that. It is. Uh, what I'm really interested in, and we don't have an answer to yet is, you know, it's fun talking about offense. Cousins is the lightning rod for this team. He's made himself the lightning rod of this team. So I'm not going to apologize for that. Uh, they have Jefferson, who's great. They have Thielen, who's a homegrown star. They have, you know, Cook, who they built the offense around, who's incredibly talented. Uh, people love complaining about the offensive line. Really, the defense was the problem last year. The defense was horrific. So who's going to be the defensive coordinator? Do you have any idea at this point? Well, it's funny that you just say that, Jim, um, because just as you were saying it, uh, Jeremy Fowler, our old friend from the Pioneer Press who now works at ESPN, is reporting that Ed Donatel has emerged as the favorite for Vikings defensive coordinator. Um, Hmm. He was going to go to Seattle. Um, and so now it looks like the Vikings are luring him away. He is an incredibly experienced, uh, uh, assistant coach and, and coordinator. Uh, I have to look back just right off the top of my head. I don't have sort of his resume, but he is a known name, um, who has been around the block quite a bit. I, I will say that I had heard some, um, some kind of speculation about Mike Patton, uh, connected with with Kevin O'Connell, and that was kind of like, eh, I don't know about that. Um, so I got to look in, into it a little bit more with Ed Donatel, but he's been around a long, long time, um, 31 seasons in the NFL I'm seeing here now. And so he will absolutely kind of have a just an enormous role with where the Vikings go next year in terms of being able to sort of revive the defense that has fallen on hard times because of injuries, because of age, because of draft mishaps. Um, 
And, and so I, I agree with you that they have a lot more work to do on the defensive side. And so it'll be interesting to see like what kind of scheme he brings in, what kind of approach and what kind of changes they, they, they try to make to that side of the ball, because there's a lot of them that need to happen. Yes. I we want to thank our sponsors at TalkNorth.com, sponsors of the Viking Update program, including Aquarius Home Services. Hey, it's Russo over at the Worst Seats in the House podcast. Did you know that Aquarius Home Services is your one-stop shop for all your home service needs? That's right. Aquarius Home Services is your complete home service provider dedicated to providing the highest quality water treatment, plumbing, heating, cooling, and electrical services. They pride themselves on providing superior five-star quality service. They respect you, your time, and your home with attention to details that really make a difference. If you or anyone you know have questions or concerns about your water heating and cooling, plumbing or electrical, Aquarius Home Services is here to help. Visit AquariusHomeServices.com for more details. And don't forget to mention Russo sent you. Also want to let you know that big banks aren't the only ones with mobile apps and convenient financial services. I'd like to tell you about Star Bank. Star Bank is an independent community bank in Minnesota. They're family owned and treat customer relationships as a top priority. You are not a customer number at Star Bank and they have no call center. It's just banking how it should be. A throwback to the good days mobile app check convenient services you got it check out star bank for yourself for deposits and lending solutions work with a local community bank that cares starbank.net member fdic and equal housing lender star bank starbank.net we'd also like to thank tony hoagland uh, longtime sponsor of talknorth.com he's my state farm agent and he is a supporter of our, one of our newest shows at talknorth.com Mike Grimm's Go Gopher podcast. This is your State Farm agent, Tony Hoagland. For the year of 2022, we will be donating $10 to the University of Minnesota Children's Masonics Hospital for everyone that calls our office or checks in with us online and mentions that they heard about us on Talk North. You can reach us at 763-421-4900. You can find us on the web at champlininsurance.com. Again, 763 763- 421-4900 or find us on the web at champlininsurance.com. All right, it is Super Bowl week. Let's talk about the Super Bowl. We'll make a pick later because I know that you would never bet a dollar that listening to John Krasinski and Jim Suhan. We Definitely uh, not, we, yeah. We live in mansions built on gambling money, <laughs> uh, just as you know. Uh, let's get into some stuff going around the league, though. Uh, first of all, are you how interested are you in this Super Bowl? Usually when we talk about Super Bowls, you know, for so long it's been – you know, it's been legacy talk. It's been Brady or Roethlisberger or Rodgers or, you know, it's been some great quarterback. And the question is, what does this do to their legacy? Mahomes. You know, this is two quarterbacks who had never played in the Super Bowl before. This is a different animal. I like the fresh meat. I do, Jim. So I'm, I'm excited about that part of it. Um, what I really want to see is I just want to see Joe Burrow on the big stage. Like, I, I just like I am a card carrying member of the Joe Burrow fan club. I love everything about the way that he plays and I want to see him really kind of as an underdog, I think in this game because of how ferocious the Rams defensive front is, how weak the the Bengals offensive line is. And I just want to see how he responds to that. So, um, but I do, I love seeing the Bengals back in it when I, I remember like one of my younger memories as a sports fan was, you know, Icky Woods and and the Bengals going against the the San Francisco 49ers in that Super Bowl. And I was a big Bengals fan back then. I loved their uniforms as a kid. I loved the Icky Shuffle, Boomer Esiason, that whole crew. And so um, 
So it's nice to see the Bengals back in it. I mean, they have had years and years of futility and to see them kind of do some of the things the right way and, and repair things and get back. Um, I, I really like that story. And so I'll be, I want to see that. I want to see Aaron Donald get his chance at a ring and Stafford, obviously with everything that he's been through with the, with the lions to get this chance is super cool too. Um, so yeah, I, this is not a game that um, I'm going to, you know, kind of be bored with uh, like there, there might be people who think this isn't the sexiest you know, kind of combination or anything like that, but Big, uh, big Bengals fan and, uh, or big fan of this Bengals team. And so I, I just I really am looking forward to watching and seeing how it all goes down. Yeah, I, I never really liked Tom Brady. I never liked Bill mm-hmm. Belichick. I certainly uh, admire what they accomplished and give them full credit for what they accomplished, but never found them likable. Uh, and Brady going to Tampa, that's fine, but it's not to me the most likable story. Uh, I've, you know, I've loved Mahomes. Didn't I don't like Ben Roethlisberger, you know, so it's like uh, to me, there are so many Super Bowls of recent vintage. There was somebody you didn't like in it. I kind of mm. like all the major characters here. I like McVeigh, uh, the way he coaches. I think he's really interesting. I like Stafford. I like Burrow. I love Burrow. Uh, you know, I love Jamar Chase. I love Cooper Cup. And, and you know who I really like? I like Odell Beckham. And to oh. me, well, I really do. Because to me, too many people lumped Odell Beckham into the same category as wide receivers who really had done things to damage their teams or had done things off the field that were off the field that were really repugnant. Odell Beckham to me was a, you know, the easy guy to blame, you know, and then he would watch a game and say, okay, Odell Beckham's a problem in Cleveland. Then he'd watch a game live and you say, he's open on every play and Baker Mayfield doesn't <laughs> want to throw him the ball. I'd complain. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Baker Mayfield was the problem in Cleveland. And whether that was because he was injured or whether he's just he was bad, whatever. But uh, yes, I do think it was too easy to make Odell Beckham the lightning rod with the blonde hair, with the kind of the way that he acts out sometimes and things like that. Um, he is a remarkably talented, that's for sure. Um, and so I, I like it did feel, Jim, like to your point, it felt like they were like people were trying to put him and Antonio Brown in the same sentence. And obviously it's like, there's nothing even close when you put those two in and what you put Brown's antics and Brown's, you know, transgressions up against Odell Beckham's. It's like, there's nothing They're They're apples and oranges. So uh, yeah, I think the lazy thing to do is to make the, make him, a diva wide receiver, the same as Brown, a diva wide receiver. And it's just, it's just not the close, not, not close. And the other thing that's interesting, Jim, is I heard, um, so Odell was doing a Super Bowl Zoom availability this week and Jarvis Landry, his LSU teammate, his Cleveland Browns teammate jumped on and kind of just did this soliloquy on how happy he was for Odell Beckham and how, he persevered through things. I think a lot of his teammates, Odell Beckham's teammates, really like him. Um, and so I, that makes a difference to me when you look at perception and you look at, um, you know, you know who, who's right and who's wrong and all those things. There are a lot of people who are around Odell Beckham that really root for him and are really happy to see him have this chance. And I think that means something. The other thing is he chose to go to the Los Angeles Rams when Robert Woods was healthy and Van Jefferson was kind of rising in terms of usage. 
he he went to the Rams with no guarantee he'd be anything better than a fourth receiver. True. Uh, so you know that that kind of calls into question the egomaniac aspect of the, the criticism aimed at him. And then when Woods gets hurt and Beckham passes Van Jefferson, he ends up being a dynamic number two receiver who performs exceptionally well in the playoffs for a team with everything on the table. I I, I just like the story. Yeah, it's a great story, and it, and. You know, it's it's great for Matt Stafford, too. I mean, to be able to have those kinds of weapons, Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham. You know, he had obviously Calvin Johnson in Detroit for a long, long time. But other than that, I mean, what did he really have to work with? And so he has that. And then Odell Beckham has a real quarterback uh, to throw him the ball. Uh, and, and so you're just seeing two guys really benefit from each other's talent in a way that they had not been able to in previous stops. And we're seeing other sides of them and seeing the success that they could really have. Maybe it really wasn't, you know, Matt Stafford can't make the plays in the big game. He does make some mistakes still. He, he does make some wobbly plays and stuff like that, but he is so talented has such a big arm and, and, and is kind of a daring quarterback that I like. And Odell Beckham is is a receiver who is fearless, who wants to go up and get the ball in tight situations, and that's a, that's a fun combination to watch. As you said earlier, the Joe Burrow is the story of the Super Bowl. He might not be the story of this actual game, but he's the story of the Super Bowl run up. Uh, second, first, first, first. Uh, let me rephrase: the first number one pick in NFL history as a quarterback to take his team to the Super Bowl within the first two seasons, uh, wins three road games uh, to get to the Super Bowl. And the fascinating thing here is Ohio State didn't want him to be their starting quarterback. He lost the starting quarterback job at Ohio State. Since he went (laughs) to LSU to play one year, he has not lost a big game. He won at Alabama. He won the national. Yeah. He won the SEC championship game. He won the national championship game. He didn't play any big games as a rookie in the NFL. And this year, every game that has been big, the the game against Kansas City to determine the division title, three road playoff games. He's the man has never lost a big game. And and you know to to add to that, Jim, like so obviously Ohio State. Um, chooses was it Dwayne Haskins right over Dwayne Haskins. Joe Burrow, yep. um, and so he loses that job when he, yeah, 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 right, yep, and and so he loses that job, and when he is kind of out in the in the not in the transfer portal, but when he was transferring, his basically his two options were LSU and Cincinnati. Now Cincinnati was not the Cincinnati that they are now. Um, they're a good program, but it's not like he had USC coming after him and all these other programs, Miami and everyone coming after him. And and so he picked LSU and then, you know, really kind of helped make the Tigers into the Tigers. And now he's really making the Bengals into the Bengals. Like he has this just unbelievable personality. Like he has this this indomitable spirit about him. And, you know, you can tell that every player who steps into a huddle with him, whether it's at LSU, whether it's now at Cincinnati, believes in Joe Burrow in a way that they they don't necessarily usually believe in quarterbacks. And so that's why, you know, I look at this situation and I do think that, man, that 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 Rams front 
the, you know, Jalen Ramsey on Jamar Chase, like that the Bengals and the way few other quarterbacks can do. And that's why I just think that he's at another level. And, um, and that's, he's the kind of player that you dream about getting in the draft and, and he doesn't just make plays, he changes cultures. And like, that's exactly what he's done at both spots that he's been in. And it's just, uh, I, I can't speak highly enough about him. And the contrast between Stafford and Burrow is fascinating because if you're the person who says, hey, the quarterback should elevate the entire franchise, you should make everybody around him better, you get the magic quarterback, everything improves, you say, you point to Joe Burrow, and if you're the person who says, well, the offensive line's got to play well and you have to have the right people around you uh, to have any chance of success as a quarterback, then you point at Matthew Stafford. For sure, yeah. Matthew Stafford is, I think, you know, a – a step above Kirk Cousins, but in that tier, right? Of of quarterbacks who are incredibly talented, um, but they they need some things around them. Joe Burrow doesn't need doesn't need anything around him. Like he can get sacked nine times in a game and keep coming after you. He's like he's close to Favre to me, like in that way. I mean, I just keep thinking back to that NFC Championship game against the Saints. And how much of a beating that Brett Favre took in that game and how no matter what bruise, broken, everything, he just kept coming back and kept slinging. And that's what Joe Burrow is. Now, I think maybe maybe Burrow is a little more uh, disciplined in terms of the, you know, not making the big mistakes that Favre would make. But in terms of when you think of a quarterback that inspires a group around him to follow him into a situation where it looks on the face, like they cannot win. Like that's Brett Favre. That's Joe Burrow. And he has a way of relating to everyone around him that just gets them to buy in wholeheartedly. And Favre could do that. And no matter what kind of a beating that Favre was taking, he never pointed the finger. He never blamed anyone. And he said, look, let's just go win the game. And I think that's what Joe Burrow is doing right now. And that's what, you know, can make these Bengals offensive linemen who have really, really struggled just give every possible inch of themselves to this game and try and do what they have to do just to give them a, a sliver of time to get rid of the ball and, and to make some big plays. Well, Brett Favre would point the figure very finger very subtly at Brad Childress, but not his teammates. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. It might be at Chile, it, but it was never at Steve Hutchinson or no. or, or any of that. So, um, yeah. So that's uh, that's something that that is a, a stark difference. <laughs> yes. All right. Let's pick the game. Uh, Rams for, uh, giving four and a half, playing at home while having to use the visiting locker room. Who do you like? Uh, so this is a case where. Like every football reason tells me to take the Rams. Like you look at what their defense can potentially do to the Cincinnati Bengals, to their offensive line, to make Joe Burrow's life miserable. And it just is like, okay, how are, how are the Bengals going to overcome all this? But similar to the, the, the chiefs and the bucks, um, I just don't want to I, – I, I could never pick against Tom Brady in a Super Bowl. 
And I don't want to be the guy that picks against Joe Burrow in this in this Super Bowl. Maybe they will lose, but I'm going to have more fun watching and believing in Joe Burrow and the Bengals. And so that's the storyline I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for the gutsy uh, kind of quality of play that that Joe Burrow represents. And I do not want at the end of the game for the Bengals to win 23 to 21 on a last second field goal after Burrow drives them 70 yards in in eight plays. Um, and to, to say to myself, damn it, I should have picked Joe Burrow. Um, if I pick him and he loses and the Rams, you know, walk and they dominate his, his offensive line and all that. Okay. But I want to be the guy that, that rolls with Burrow. So I'm taking the Bengals to win a very tight one. Yeah. Let's just say 23, 21. Uh, I hate myself for doing it, but I'm going to pick the Rams. I'm going to be rooting for Burrow. I'm going to be. You're no fun. You're no fun. I know. I'm absolutely no fun. I'm <laughs> going with my head instead of my heart. Uh, and I'm sure I'll be wrong, but that's the way I'm going. I'm going to take the Rams in this one. Uh, and, but I hope Burrow does it. I hope Burrow pulls it out exactly the way you just described it because there's nothing better in the NFL than having the magic quarterback to watch. I was very lucky when I started covering the NFL. I covered a lot of Joe Montana playoff games and Super Bowls, and there's nothing like watching the guy who makes everybody better. It's going to be great. I, I, I'm really just I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I, I just want to see him go into battle. So uh, maybe that sounds a little cheesy, but um, – but I, I really am looking forward to that because of that fact. And, and we'll see what happens. But, you know, just to see and also just also think about it, like, Jim, like. If the Bengals win a Super Bowl, that's like if the Timberwolves, you know, right. at least went deep into the playoffs or got to the finals. Like this is a long, long, long suffering fan base um, and that is deserving of good things. And so that's just. um that's that's a it's a really uh, that would be a very very cool story for Bengals fans to finally be rewarded after all of the years of misery that they have had to, had to endure and I think that Timberwolves fans can feel a kinship with them in a way uh, just because they both have been at the bottom of the barrel for a long time and they're climbing their way out of it. No doubt about it. Uh, thanks to John Krasinski. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. Thanks for listening to TalkNorth.com. We'll be back next week to talk about the Super Bowl and to talk about the Vikings staff as they put it all together.